was a very strange feeling out there. Uh, you know, probably feeling like oh, that's one we let slip away, so that's obviously not good. But um, you know, you just got to you know, try and stay positive, I guess, and take some learnings from it. There's a lot there for us, which we'll be able to take forward. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans by D's fans. My name is Tim. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm here with Simo. Welcome, Simo, mate. How you doing? Doing well, mate. Especially, oh, I, I thought it'd be a lot worse considering what happened on Saturday, but sitting on top of the ladder, mate, it's still happy days for me. Yeah, that's it. And we also have two very special guests with us. We're going to do a very special edition of our quiz, Five in a Flash. Our amazing sponsors from Hop Hen Brewing down in Lillardale, Mike and Jody. thanks so much for joining us. How are you guys? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're good. Thank you. No, no, absolute pleasure to have you guys on and yeah, really appreciate all your continued support that you've given us, but it's great to actually have you uh, on our little segment here and it'd be great little insight for our listeners as well too to get to know you guys and obviously you've got a bit of an education background sort of similar to uh, Simo and myself there, but given that the flicking gone to a bit of a dream in, in creating your own brewery, do you want to tell us a little bit about how that came across? Um, it was really a lifestyle choice for us. We um, spent six months travelling, oh, what, four years, five years ago now, uh, as a family. Visited a lot of little breweries in the west coast of Australia and brewing something I've been doing for a long time as a hobby and um, sort of decided to make the switch. It was sort of now or never in our lives and Jodes, luckily, uh, or luckily for me, Jodes agreed and here we are sort of two and a half years in and, um, and doing okay, all things considered. No, it's amazing. It's uh, yeah, fantastic little spot that you've got down there, and and you certainly gained a, a pretty decent following as well too. I know numerous nights have been down there. It's always packed, and it's a great atmosphere down there as well. Not not to mention the fantastic beers that you're brewing as well too. But you've also got a bit of a bit of a giveaway at the moment as well too. You just hit bit of a benchmark with your with your followers jody you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah we got three thousand followers which was pretty exciting on our instagram account so um our bar manager down there is running a bit of a competition and yeah it's been a bit of fun it's i think you've got to tag yourself in it and tag yourself on our social page and follow it or something like that but it's um yeah it's good fun and it's taken off nah unreal and, and we'll make sure we'll uh we'll definitely share that and, and post those details uh with this little video as well too but we'll get down to it in terms of footy you're a divided family in that in that sense jody we know that you're mad melbourne mike who do you follow down there the uh, mighty bombers very proud at the moment of the boys considering i thought we would be going to be lucky to win three games for the season at the start of the year so i'm quite happy especially the way a lot of the young guys are coming on Absolutely love it. Um, yeah, it, it's good seeing it's a side come up from you know what's expected. You know, you, you look you look at your recruiters. I think is the biggest one to look at, um, especially the rise in your players like Cox, Archie Perkins gets better each week, and I think the move of Parish into the midfield has really yeah. set you guys up nicely for the season. Um, Jones, as a as a very loyal Melbourne supporter like myself and Tim, how do you think we are we're tracking for the rest of the year? Like, where do you where do you reckon we'll actually finish? Oh, look, <laughs> I was very nervous on Saturday night watching that draw against Hawthorne. I'm hoping maybe we're just having a bit, we're just a bit tired at the moment. We're, you know, there's a lot of external factors going on for all the teams. If we can just pull ourselves together and regroup a little bit and hopefully focus again and lift. I felt like we were a bit flat on Saturday night and maybe just struggling with everything that's happening as well so i don't know i'd like to think we are still going to finish first or second that'd be great definitely top four yeah i think yeah top four has definitely got to be the bare minimum i think after the season although it is getting pretty congested up there so we'll have to wait and see what pans out if they end up switching around the rounds this week then we'll be playing bulldogs which Given our current form, that's probably better than us playing Gold Coast. We we could be a little bit, <laughs> we could be looking at a better result potentially. But I'm not going to go down that path just yet. So. The upside for you guys is if you get to finals, you don't play a bottom eight team. No, this is this is true, and it, that that came back in waves when I when I posted about how I thought it was a little bit worrying. But I, I suppose the mentality and the mindset a little bit. As I think it's a little bit of a cause for concern, whether it's uh, just not stepping up and winning games that we probably should be. I'm yeah, very aware that 
as plenty of people have pointed out, that we, we're not going to be playing uh, Hawthorne or anything like that in or GWS or Adelaide. Well, GWS maybe, but certainly not Adelaide and certainly not Collingwood in the finals. But just the way that we've approached some of these games after our incredible performances against top sides, uh, it is a bit deflating, I think, as a supporter to see, see us down that because we've had those patterns in prior years and, and we've sort of thought that we might have overcome that. But anyway, as you said, it could be a range of different factors in that and given the circumstances at the moment with everything being a little bit up in the air and fixtures being having to be pretty fluid and flexible, we don't know what we're in for. So, uh, yeah, see what happens there. <laughs> I think it's impossible for any team to stay up all season long. So, you know, if this is if this is your down patch and, and you sort of lead in the finals, you'll go all right. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's it, it's always been, you know, it's such a marathon of a season. I suppose you just kind of hope that you're playing your best footy at the right time of the season and not in the first ten rounds. So uh I know Tom Morris said that last week. He sort of said first six games we sort of we're winning, weren't playing our best footy, but I think that momentum is something that we haven't had for a long, long time. So as long as we just capitalise on the opportunity and everything that we've built upon this season, you don't want to get to the end and sort of be hopefully not, you know, the legs fall away from under you because you're absolutely buggered, which is what we kind of looked like a little bit on Saturday night. But then again, we did look like that two weeks ago and then we came out against Port and absolutely smashed them. So uh, let's hope that, as I said, that same pattern continues if we're to play the Bulldogs this week. All right, well, we may as well get into it. It's uh, our very, very fresh but very famous segment in Five and a Flash. We put you guys through the ringer, so it's got to be the first response that comes to your head when we ask these questions. All righty, guys. Um, lager or pale ale? Pale. Lager at the moment. If you could bring back just one past player from your club and insert it into the current team lineup, who would it be? Uh, Joe Watson. Love him. Uh, I'm torn. I'd love to see someone like David Schwartz back in his in his glory days. But then somebody like Jim Steins, imagine if you could bring back what he brings to a club. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, my heart's with David Schwartz. Great answers. All right, favourite food to go with your beer? Oh, that depends on the beer. We have to say pizza because that's what we sell in the brewery. But, uh, no, anything from the smoker, I, I love... Um, getting the smoker out in the backyard and doing a brisket or ribs or a lamb or something. So, yeah, anything from the smoker. Salt and vinegar chips for me. <laughs> cheap, cheap. Yeah, definitely. And and less time to cook as well too. I would have thought being a Melbourne supporter, I was waiting for a cheese platter. Salt and vinegar chips it is. Yeah. All right. So if you could trade one player from Melbourne to Essendon and vice versa, who would it be? So we're talking current lineups. You can trade any player from your current lineup for a current player on the opposite team. Who would it be? You can keep Melch, uh, Melcham and Hibbert. You can have them. Um, I'd take Ola. Clayton Ola. Love him. In and under. Who would I give for him, though? Ooh. Ooh, that's a tough call. I'll let Jade's answer while I think about it. I know that's not the rule, but... I'd probably take uh, Draper. Mm. I quite like him. I like the way he's playing. He's full of confidence. And this is harsh. It's hard to trade one of your players, but I think it would have to be Neil Bullen. I'm giving up Langford. I like him, but I I think he makes a lot of mistakes he shouldn't make, but he gets lots of the ball. Awesome. Yeah, I'd I'd hate to answer that question. I'd never thought of that. I didn't like it. I'll take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, last one, guys. Um, how often is the 2000 grand final brought up in your household? Uh, all the time. Never. <laughs> never. I never talk about it. <laughs> Where were you guys on the night? Yeah, on for the- that one. And uh, yeah, we watched it together. Well, no, that's not true. We watched the first half together, then Jody went outside. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> watch anymore. <laughs> yeah, fair yeah, enough. And still hurts a lot. Yeah, try not that to. one's that one's always uh, uh, Essen supporters uh, comeback. If you say, "Oh, when was the last time you won a final?" They'll be asked, "When's the last time you won a grand final?" And who who was our last win against? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Still, I mean, it still seems so long. I know that you guys have done it harder, but it still seems a long time ago now. Two thousand. So yeah, well, what twenty one years ago yeah. now. This is a little little, little bonus one because me and Simo are having this debate before and I've currently gone through this debate here and I only know from what 
I got given the opportunity that I didn't get a choice in who I uh, was to follow when I yeah. <laughs> when I was born and growing up. But how do you guys address this? Because uh, I've kind of adopted that same rule. I've just told Penny that Harper's a Melbourne supporter, signed her up without her knowing, and although even though Penn's slightly Richmond, but she's not massively in football. Where do you guys sit with that? Obviously, with your kids. It was a it was a tough call. We um, we, <laughs> my brother in law actually barracks for Collingwood, and he he went spent his life growing up going to the footy with his mum. So it's probably going to put pay to what I'm about to say. And at the risk of sounding sexist, my argument at the time was no boy wants to have to go to footy with his mum all the time when he could go with his dad. So I managed to get Austin as across the line as a bomber supporter. But when I tried that for Giselle, who's our second born, went right against me. So <laughs> she's, gone, she's a D supporter. Yeah, we've gone boys are bombers, girls are the Ds. Although yeah. a few of my friends were um, quite concerned for, Gis- for Giselle growing up in the same fashion I had with, you know, minimal wins, no premierships. But you know, 2021 could prove all the difference. So we'll see. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, certainly uh, all yeah. signs. Are, if it's not this year, it's certainly, you know, there's certainly a bit of a window of opportunity yeah, here as well. The bombers don't happen to make it, and I still think it's very much touch and go. I'll, I'll throw my weight behind the Ds for sure. It'll be good to see. Awesome. Oh, well, thanks so much for, for jumping on. And, yeah, great to be able to give a chance for supporters and, and our listeners to sort of get a bit of an idea about your little brewing company down there. But also we really enjoy being able to yeah, endorse such a fantastic local business as well too. And as you, as you mentioned before, it's not the ideal uh, situation and circumstances for any, any businesses at the moment. But in terms of it's great to see that, yeah, people are throwing their support behind you guys. And we really appreciate your support for us. But we hope that, yeah, from the little bit that we're doing and being able to promote you guys, that hopefully a few people are getting their ears and, and, their, uh, and their mouths around a few cold beers as well too down from your end. Oh, we appreciate it too, guys. So thanks very much for yeah. the support. We do. And we've been really lucky to be supported by people like yourselves and, and our locals. Um, you know, there's plenty of businesses doing it worse than us. We can trade to some degree, so we do feel for a lot of those other ones. So if you're out there and you see your local cafe shut or uh, or your local butcher doing a tough, go in and support them. They, they all need the help. And thanks to you guys for helping out. Nah, our pleasure. Our pleasure. All right, guys. Well, thanks again. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you down the brewery soon anyway uh, for, for a cold beer and hopefully uh, talking about another day's win heading into September. Yes. <laughs> See you guys. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank Bye. Thanks, guys. Well, Simo, we better shift our attention to the round that's just been. Uh, round 18 versus Hawthorne, which, before we discuss the result, a really fantastic cause as, you know, the club and the league is involved in such a number of fantastic causes and really throws its weight behind uh, charities and these causes that affect so many people. And it's it's a real platform for such an influential part of Australian society as well too, to be able to promote and raise awareness for such a number of these things. But the Pink Lady match is something that the Ds have been a part of for 16 years now, since 2005. And whilst the opponents have sort of slightly changed, I think we played Sydney last year. This year we played against Hawthorne. But in raising that awareness and support for breast cancer and, and not only people that are affected by it, but the support behind it as well too. They talk about the support network and how important that is to surround families and the millions of people that are affected by it um, with the required resources and that to be able to support them through a pretty difficult time. So we've got a couple of D's players that are actually pretty close to that. Fraser Rosman who is a rookie this year, but his mum, Trudy, was the Pink Lady Ambassador this year, and she's a survivor of breast cancer. But we've also got Oscar Baker as well, too, who unfortunately lost his mum about 12 months before he got drafted to the Ds. And he spoke on 360 the other night. I don't know if you saw that, but just told the story about that. And they did an amazing job and raised $248,375. So... And, yeah, they eclipsed their goal by nearly 50 grand, which is unreal. Yeah, amazing. And I think, well, I always just remember, I think it started maybe with us against the Bulldogs. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how many years ago, but um, my mum being a Bulldog supporter, I suppose, you know, we always, you know, had that in the back of, my, back of our minds, you know. And, you know, and again, like you look at our other charity match, you know, there is things bigger than footy. And, you know, the fact that we were able to, 
all people were able to raise, you know, quite a substantial amount of money to help. Um, yeah, definitely go a long way. And that's exactly right. But uh, moving to the result, it wasn't probably the result that we expected. Uh, yeah, Hawthorne came out, and to their credit, they played a fantastic game. I can't remember they they talked about the combined amount of games experience between, you know, such a young Hawthorne side that were missing a lot of big name players. I say big name players, but really they're they're senior players that have played majority of the year. But they just came out looking, you know, after our first our fast start, which we sort of set the tone, I think, pretty impressively. And fast starts haven't been something that we've been good at this year. But I think every Demon supporter would have been reasonably comfortable at quarter time. But unfortunately, after that, it kind of all fell away from there. And I was one of those Demon supporters, Tim. <laughs> I don't know. I think just complacency, I think. I just... I think we're just really flat after, you know, probably midway through the second, um, go up a few late goals in the second quarter heading into half time. And I suppose we never really got out of second gear, to be honest. I mean, we went back into, I don't really say our shells, but we just weren't changing lanes or anything. We we're just doing the really, really basic things. Um, okay. Um, probably missing a few opportunities and everything, which hurt us at the end of the day as well. And, you know, it's just, it's the ongoing conversation we have as Melbourne supporters and I think footy supporters in general, why can't Melbourne do what the other clubs are doing and belting these lower ranked sides? I mean, Frio belted Hawthorne by 70 points and then we draw with them. Where's the logic in that? Yeah, and then what? how much did Frio lose by on the weekend? Didn't they? They lost to... Um... Yeah, got Ge- Geelong did them by 70. Yeah, um, so... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's it, it, you, you're right there, and it's it's certainly something that's that question that continues to get raised about being complacent, mindset, and mentality. And you know, we had this discussion what two weeks ago after the Giants game, and then look at how we responded to Port Adelaide. So I guess that's probably the baffling thing. Uh, you sort of think that after such a continuous trend, I guess over the last few years, and not being able to win games that you should now. As I said, Hawthorne played a fantastic game. Uh, Alistair Clarkson, again, put on his sure. coaching masterclass and, and really kind of nullified any impact that he took away our strengths in terms of our defensive unit. And I don't think that we weren't allowed to intercept probably as much or really set up as much that normally benefits us. And uh, that was very, that was really clear. And I think our defensive structure was taken away from us at times because the way that they were scoring the ball was purely by chaos and run, and, and we were never set up properly to be able to defend that. And, and on top of that, we couldn't score pretty much after quarter time very efficiently either. So all credit goes to Hawthorne in that sense, and, and great for their supporters to see their young brigade sort of running up and about and certainly got some exciting young players. But, yeah, from, from our point of view, it, it is. It's concerning, and I don't care. <laughs> I don't care that we don't play the bottom eight sides in the finals. To see our team kind of yo-yo from top to bottom against these sides is that we we stoop to these sides level. And when I say that, Hawthorne played really well. But why aren't we bringing that same intensity? We looked extremely flat. We looked tired, and yeah, a lot of these things that we've looked like in the past six weeks of footy. It's like we hate being the favourite, to be honest. And I think that's been an ongoing concern across a long period of time with Melbourne Footy Club. Like, I was just looking through the results then and thinking, you know, is it like a week, you know, we might have two good weeks and one bad week. I look at the, this these two rounds, which was um, round 11 and 12, when we come up against the Doggies and then Brisbane, you think, well, I would have back it up there. But probably ever since then, we've probably only really played one half-decent game. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, one half-decent game against Paul. And obviously got the win against Essendon. Um, but you just gotta, you just gotta think, why is this? And you, you think it could be, it could be mentality. And the, the problem is, I think, I don't know if the players sort of get ahead of themselves, but then when they play against the better sides, they're like, right, like these guys mean business. We need to show up here. But then again, why can't things change against those, you know, lesser sides? And you thought our problem was our starts. As well, and you look at our start on the weekend. Our start was really, really strong, and you think that actually carried on against the other better sides. You look at the Bulldogs game; we started well. Port Adelaide game we started well, and then we just kept going on and on and on. But then you look at a team like Hawthorne, who've won now five games for the year, like oh, four games, four and a half, should I say? But it just <laughs> footy's a funny game, I tell you what. And 
the fact that the, the good thing is for footy, I mean, that it's not as clear cut as what it was a few years ago. Um, you think, well, Richmond obviously start the years poorly, but then they just obviously dominate. Um, yeah, footy's just a funny game. I think um, we just got to roll the punches every week and, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I'm just amazed at what's going on. Yeah, and look, I suppose at the end of the day, we didn't lose. A lot of Demon supporters are treating it like a loss, and I probably was <laughs> myself. Uh, but unfortunately, you know what? That Luke Bruce goal, and we had a number of chances in that last quarter that we could have uh, easily put it within, t- well, put it at least at two kicks reach, um, and unfortunately, we weren't able to capitalise on that. But anyway, we're we're gonna try and <laughs> we're gonna try and analyze and, and try and pry a few positives from the game because at the end of the day we are still on top. We've got this little two point buffer and uh, as you said, it's a marathon and we hopefully can just move on. But let's let's try and uh, see if we can try and pull some of the positive things that we saw on the weekend in our next segment. Credit to the boys. Back into the game, so uh, real credit to the boys. And- um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and. and- really lead from the front and I thought we did that all day so we want to play our way just go after the boys well credit to the boys um I think the biggest thing that we can look at definitely a fast start two weeks in a row now which is something to really build on um and I think someone that really stood out in the first quarter was definitely Christian Petrarca I don't, although he had one kick he also had 11 handballs to go with it but yeah really really quality possessions to start the game and kept going for the rest of the game to add with that he also had nine clearances um but also i think clayton oliver's game early on was really strong you know we'll talk to talk about clayton oliver a little bit later they certainly set the pace right from the get-go and and you're right i just think that we came out with at that point what looked like the right intensity and managed to get on the scoreboard and, and build just a really comfortable lead as you said i think Petrarca and Oliver certainly really made their influence felt uh, early and just dominated the ball. And as you said, Petrarca, I mean, he had nine contested possessions in that first quarter, which is absolutely unreal. Only the one kick, but Oliver was in there plenty as well too. And we were just able to sort of dominate clearances, which is something that we haven't been able to do in that first quarter. And unfortunately, it kind of just, <laughs> that's where that's where everything else sort of fell away after that first quarter because all Demon supporters would have been feeling pretty comfortable at that stage. And it was unfortunate that, Yes, Hawthorne, like any side, was going to respond, but unfortunately we, we didn't seem to match any of that same intensity that we came out with, and our inability to score after that was was pretty disappointing. Your pressure's got to be up there, at least. Like, I know they, you always see those little pressure gauges on the on the TV screen, and I tell you what, ever since quarter time, I know this is, you know, credit to the boys, but after quarter time, I tell you what, if we were anywhere near league standard, I'd be very surprised. But somebody else I wanted to sort of talk about as well too. I thought talking about fast starts and this player made an absolutely outstanding contribution in his first quarter and rounded out a really nice game, sort of came back in it towards the end uh, in that last quarter as well. But Charlie Spargo, I just thought that he his ball use and his work around the ground everywhere was, was really integral and definitely uh, had a couple of really important sequences. So there was a sequence where Rivers marked it on halfback, got it to track and then who found Spargo, and we've talked about how important Spargo's ball use inside 50 has been and how much he is one of our best ball users in, in going inside 50, and it's something that we didn't do very well after quarter time. But a couple of times that he found Fritsch to to finish on there, uh, he had, I think, received one from Vandenberg, that's right, and then uh, Spargo hit up Benny Brown, who led really well to the ball. And that's when we were looking dangerous is when our forwards were leading to space. And unfortunately, we kind of seemed to throw that in in the bin after quarter time, and it wasn't the way that we were going about scoring. So I just thought that, again, he, he really set the tone, and we certainly don't score. Uh, I think he had six score involvements for the game, where he, he really is becoming an important important player in terms of us being able to score, and just his ball use, I think, is is really outstanding and, and really allows our forward structure to hopefully perform at its best. I think you've actually robbed him of his own award there, Tim. Um well, next thing, next thing I really want to talk about, Harry Petty. I was actually really concerned when I thought he, when he was grabbing his hamstring, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I, I was thinking, oh, geez, is it going to be Joel Smith time next week? <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, actually. Joel Smith. Oh, like, it was certainly worrying. Was yeah. Good. But Harry Petty, you know, he did only have the nine disposals, but those nine disposals did um, were really, really solid. And his spoiling work is really, really um, top-notch as well. And you can see he's been mentored by, you know, 
you know, your Stephen Mays and your and the levers. But I was reading reading a little article and he says how much he really values Adam Tomlinson's role um, in helping him out too. You know, obviously he's playing in the role that Tomo was playing. And, you know, the fact that Tomo's really stepping out and helping him improve is, you know, really solid for the club. So, yeah, good on you, Tomo, for that one. Yeah, it definitely is. And he really is emerging as such an important player. And as I said, your heart kind of sunk when that happened. And immediately sort of thinking, shit, who, who comes in? Who comes in next? Is it, is it a Smith? Is it... You know, somebody else that they can bring in. It is. It's a, It's an important role that allows our defensive unit to work cohesively. And, and yeah, it would have been such a disappointing incident if if he was going to be out. But um, but fortunately, he could get back onto the ground. And I think, uh, I don't know. Honestly, I'm not a footy player myself, so I'm not 100% certain. But it, it didn't look like, didn't look very good when he was limping in that sense. And I was probably a little bit surprised when he came back on. But he had an absolutely outstanding last quarter. As a couple of uh, contested marks that he took back to back really you know when Hawthorne were really sort of pushing and even though we managed to control the ball a lot in that last quarter he just t- it was two contested marks back to back and really impressed with his game we talked about him last uh, about yeah his sort of breakout game um, and we know how important he is to that club so great to see him continue to go on there was also <laughs> one of the comments um, somebody made on social media that time that he went off when he was uh, getting his hammy looked at, Hawthorne kicked three goals apparently. So there's a bit of a connection there, a bit of a correlation between his uh, his you know presence on the field and, and the way that we're able to defend. So take that what you will. All right, mate. Well, we've covered the positives for the game. Now let's try to look at the things that we need to work on in our next segment, Pretty Pissed Off. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. All right, Simo, what have you got for your first, mate? Plenty of things that we didn't really like uh, about the game on the weekend, but what have you got there first? I definitely think the biggest reason why we did draw with the Hawks is definitely for our contest work, um, and that's definitely our hunger to win the ball back. So I feel like we got comprehensively beaten um, in the tackles, um, which... You know, you can see in the stats, 21, minus 21 in a tackle count. You know, you're going to you know, going to be struggling there, which that also transferred to the free kick count. I mean, uh, you can't, I, I'm not one to say anything to the umpires anyway. So if you're working harder to get it back, then, you know, that's that's just fair enough. But, yeah, their, their pressure was up ever since quarter time or even halfway through the second. I think they actually, yeah, they made us look second rate and they made us, they st- made us stoop down to their level and that's why um, we weren't able to get the four points. Yeah, and I think you could see that as the game wore on. Like, they could smell that, you know, the days were starting to kind of lag off a little bit. And as soon as they like sharks, they smell blood and they really just pounce for it. And a lot of those young kids that, oh, well, and say, they're sitting 17th. I think that speaks for itself. We know that it's probably not a true indication of where they're at in terms of the AFL footy. We saw what they did to Sydney a few weeks ago, who's hidden in very much vying for a top four position and it's not necessarily saying they're not capable of that but they certainly felt that once the D's kind of started to you know lean on their back foot a little bit and I think uh, back the pedal off and weren't looking as assertive and aggressive they certainly just went all for it and I think the tackling pressure was just from a stat position yes but even just from the eye test you could just tell watching it uh, from from the TV about how much they more they hunted the footy and even with the minimal veterans that they had in there, you know, your Burgoynes and your Shields and your Bruce, they just know, they knew how to lift uh, the, their players surrounding them. They got a, young, a lot of young blokes that played extremely well. Was it Brambles off the half back line as well? Like he, yeah, a couple James of cousins, James Cousins as well, chopped us up too. Yeah, so, you know, a couple of um, really exciting young players for them that really kind of stood up and lifted. So, absolutely, you hate to see certainly an element of football that the D's want to pry themselves on. And even though statistically we beat them in everything else, bar tackles and free kicks, it's certainly you wouldn't have known it, I don't think, looking at it that way because we just didn't make uh, our opportunities damaging and, and they certainly just took the chance to, to bring it to us. Really, I think they certainly had opportunities to put us away as well too. So they might have been ruining, as much as they'd, celebrate the effort, they probably ruined that they certainly could have been uh, looking at a win against the top of the ladder, given that they're finishing second last as well too at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, they come in, they kick 12 goals, seven as well. And I thought, 
players that don't normally kick straight. Like, I think there was a couple of Mitch Lewis set shots. I was like, he's not going to kick this. He's bloody useless at set shots. And then he's completely dobbed. I think he dobbed one at the start of the fourth quarter to put him up. And I was I was really surprised to see it, actually. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you, if you slack off in any AFL game, look what happens. That's right. Goody's always preaching that. Says, AFL footy's tough and got to respect the opponent and it doesn't matter who you're playing each week, which unfortunately, <laughs> apparently it does matter who you're playing each week because it seems to, that, that might have a bit of an effect on our wavering form. But anyway, we're not going to go down that path. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is just our inefficiency going forward. Now, we spoke about how well we started and yeah, got off to a 26-point lead at quarter time. Uh, had the four goals on. We had our forwards leading to space, which is fantastic. Then after that, everything kind of just dwindled a little bit. I, I'm pretty certain that there was either a directive or a change of strategy in terms of we went back to long, bombing it long into big contests. And I can understand that given the personnel we had on the ground, so we had Ben Brown, Tom McDonald, we had Luke Jackson floating in and around there. I could see us trying to, yes, bring the ball to ground and trying to allow those speed forwards to run onto it. And we did manage to get a few goals out the back in, you know, second and third quarter. However, we just looked so much more damaging when we're kicking to forwards leading to space. It's exactly what we said at the start. When you got Spargo um, hitting up Fritch or Ben Brown in, in the forward 50. But after that, it was not, that was not the direction and it was not the way that they went about it. And unfortunately, our our efficiency going forward ended up being 37% disposal efficiency in forward line. So not only is that going inside forward, but even the little chip kicks that were going inside forwards that weren't to our advantage, we coughed up a number of opportunities. And when it came to the end of the line, we're talking about fourth quarter here in a game where we've looked flat for two and a half quarters. Um, and then we we finally get some, I don't say momentum, but we've got the opportunities to try and steal the game back. That The game wasn't really ours for the taking, but... I'm looking at some set shots and just some missed chances that we specifically let us down. And I'm going to start with Charlie Spargo marking out on the wing. Eight minutes to go. Uh, I think we're up by five at this stage. 40 metres out on a slot angle. He's a forward, doesn't make the distance. And I was just thinking, oh, okay, that's that's one example there. But then you go to uh, had a set shot with six minutes to go. To, again, up five points, put us up six points, miss that set shot. Then, this is my big one, all right? Bailey Fritch, been on fire. He's got three goals for the game, okay? It was five minutes to go, and we are six points up currently. Spargo hits him up with a beautiful kick and gets into his spot on the left wing there. Now, obviously, it's not favoured for a left footer. However, we've seen him pop these shots before. And you think about what's standing at that current point of time. Absolute worst case, your ball's up the kick and you kick it out of full, okay? No dramas. You haven't had... You've had a crack there. No worries. You shank the shot and it becomes a point. No worries, but you're seven points in front. Now, there's a big difference between six and seven points because that's a one-kick or a two-kick game. It's as simple as that. Best case scenario, you kick, the, you kick the goal, okay, and you're 12 points up. Now, he opts to put it at the top of the square where there's a heavily congested forward line. You've got pretty much all of Hawthorne's uh, 18 players in, in the defensive 50, I just don't understand the thinking. I don't know. You're a forward, mate. What, like, am I being unreasonable there and thinking that that's not the correct, you know, disposal at that point? Because in a game that we struggled to get momentum back, at no point in the fourth quarter do we go more than a kick up. At no point, because we were either down or we were only five or six points up. It's an interesting one because yeah, I, I think I think especially late in a game when you're six points up with five minutes to go, I think you just got to take the ownership and have a ping. Because you've hit the nail on the head. You're either seven points up, you're either 12 points up, or you're kicking on the full and you're six points up. If it does go out on the full, if it's shallow, then obviously you might get propelled against. But if it's if it's deep, your defense still, or even on the set shot, your defense should be set up behind the footy to stop a propelling ball going forward. So I think, yeah, definitely someone having a shot is probably the best option. Um, talking about Spargo not kicking 40 out, uh, it, it, it does mind blow me. I think he actually had a shot in the third quarter as well, a set shot from 35 out on the right, uh, on the right flank, and he's sending the ball. And I'm like, why don't you just have a shot? 
Like, I think they actually were set up for it. It's just too un too unselfish. Like, I, I know there's certain plays and stuff as well. They've they've called it, and we've seen it work before. Mm. But at the same time, like. Yeah, like there's been a couple of times, I think, in previous games where Tom McDonald's led forward and, and, yeah, they've gone for the set shot, but then they've pulled it back and, as you said, centered the ball at the top of the square and they've got an uncontested mark. But I don't know. I just think at that stage of the game, the you know repercussions of potentially not capitalizing on that opportunity uh, just outweighs the fact that, yeah, in a heavily congested defensive 50, why on earth aren't you having a shot that could definitely, most likely with his percentage in terms of his accuracy, is is pretty spot on, has been this year, to at least score a point. At least score yeah. a point. Yeah, and I'm going to touch on, I think, probably a similar distance out. So what was he, 40, 45 out? Yeah. So he actually had one very similar in the first quarter, and he actually dobbed it, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. From a very similar spot, not yeah. wrong side for a left footer as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is baffling. It is mm. baffling, but... I mean, what can you do about it now? No, uh, that's it. But also, sorry, I was just going to say, before, like, also, the thing about Frosty, our mate, our mate Sam Frost almost gifted us the game again. Oh, you see, like... Best. He was playing for us. <laughs> I honestly think he was playing for us. <laughs> he soccered the ball off... Well, there's a couple of times where he soccered the ball off the ground and hit us up directly. But, yeah, one of those rebounds with the two minutes to go... He, I can't remember what he did. He fluffed it and it went straight to Max and then Max hit up Gus from about 40 out. And this is two minutes to go. So we're five points up at this point. And all Gus needs to do is go back and kick set shot. And for fuck's sake, there's another missed opportunity gone. And that would have been, who knows whether they'd be up. They definitely probably could have scored two goals. But it gives you that that extra sense of being oh, far out. Like professional footballers, set oh. shots. Ah, Jesus, just... Oh, mate. Yeah. I got, one, I got one better for you. And this... I... I've never been more angry this season. Jake Lever, amazing game. But do not spoil a ball inside with 45 seconds to go. To no, there was it pretty much spoiled it to space and you let Luke Bruce do what he wanted with it. What are you doing there, son? Just just hit it to the boundary. I don't know what was going through his mind with that spoil. I hope to God it hit the wrong part of his fist. I was going to say, surely, surely somebody of that stature, because he, as I you said. <laughs> and the last one, I'm bloody pissed off with you, Clayton. If we are not, oh, I mean, you shouldn't be doing this at any stage. Yes, you're an amazing handballer. You're an amazing player. I'll give you that. Your, your hero handballs that go to the other team, to my effing head in. Just get it right, mate. I'll tell you what, because it, it is disgusting. And James Harms, yes, he had an ear infection. Secretly, I probably thought he got dropped because of all, all the crap he did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going on with something like that. What did you think of Vander's game? I, th- I thought he did some okay things. His, his speed isn't – well, he's never been a quick player. But, uh, geez, that knock looked pretty heavy as well too, was it first quarter? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but bounced back up and – and, and did pretty well. I mean, I, I like him in the game. He's got to have the right players around him to support him. Whether you take Vanders or Harms, you know, heading into finals, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Harms is probably the safer bet, but um, I just think being that more mature player as well too is certainly, certainly uh, somebody that, yeah, Goody has always been in favour of, and we know how much when he's fit and firing that he, he certainly played a role uh, for us in the last few years. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to see him on the park again. Yeah, not not overly effective, but still did had some good tackles and, and did a couple of things. All right, so now, well, now we've got to award the most underrated performance for the weekend. Now, it's hard, I suppose, when you're such a high-profile team to find players that fly under the radar and performances that fly under the radar. You've already talked about him today, not so much in a positive light. I'm, I'm going to give him a little bit more positivity than what you did because, unfortunately, he made a bit of a blue that was, yeah, an error in the dying stages of the game that, unfortunately, led to the goal uh, being kicked by Luke Bruce that, that did draw the match. But I still think that Jake Lever's game just as, as a total in a game where our defensive unit certainly wasn't highlighted. And I think the way that Clarko certainly set up his team was, was really meant to nullify our effectiveness in terms of our intercepts. And 
it, it certainly wasn't up to the standards what we have been. And I think teams are sort of starting to, you know, coaches that are able to sort of outmaneuver us and, and being able to sort of pinpoint their way through our defense have been really successful against us. But I, th- I still think that Lever's game, you know, he had the 17 touches. He also had a, I'm going to use a basketball term here, double-double uh, in terms of his intercepts and spoils. So he had 11 spoils. And aside from that one that you mentioned, I thought his spoiling was, work was absolutely first class and his timing has just been impeccable. Uh, and he ended up having the 15 intercepts as well too. So along with that, nine contested possessions, which is something you don't uh, normally hear about with him as well too. So I just think that you know his continued work down back there and it's easily uh, easily gets, I suppose, combined in with Lever and May as almost you know one unit. Played a really good game all up. Unfortunately, yes, had a mistake in, in the dying stages of the game, but all in all, uh, still somebody that is leading from the front down there and, and yeah, part of a really important uh, role for our side as well and, and being that leader as well. I think I think he's definitely worthy of the award, not only because or, uh, well, he's very rated for by Melbourne supporters and everything, but usually it's Lever and May both contributing. And I feel like Lever was sort of shut out of the game. So therefore, you know, Lever did really need to take, you know, that little bit extra on board. And I think he really did really well. So yeah, I'm not going to talk more about that spoil because it'll just get me angry. But apart from that, yeah, definitely his reading of the play is pretty much second to none as a key defender. And I think he's definitely going to go a long way to being um, an All-Australian, um, whether it be in the 40-man squad or in the starting squad, because without him, our defensive structure doesn't really click as well. So yeah, good one. All right, Simo, well, we are the podcast for the D's fans, by D's fans, and now is our most important segment in where we get to hear our listeners' views and viewpoints on the game in Fugazi. People aren't commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fugazi. Can you do with your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression from the <laughs> No, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fugazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. So we were after talking points after our draw against the Hawthorne Football Club in round 18. We've got Malcolm Mathers who says, I think the most important thing is that Big Benny plays every game in the lead up to finals, whether he scores or not. I completely agree with him there. I still think that he competed really well. Uh, yeah, had a, had a nice goal over his head uh, straight after missing a pretty gettable set shot. I still think that they need to give him a chance, um, but they just need to figure out what they're doing in terms of how they're getting the ball into that forward line and, and whether they're looking for space or whether they're going to keep contest, keep kicking to contested pack marks. They they really need to try and sort that stuff out because it certainly had a... I'd say, I wouldn't say it had a real positive effect on our scoring output on the weekend. Well done, Big Ben, the clock tower. Um, next one comes in from Kay Vanderdeen. Um, definitely lost the hunger they had. Going back to stupid rush hand passes to players under pressure, looking a little flat. Clayton Oliver, you are the person under the fire line with that one. Next, we've got Mick Clear. Us supporters need to learn how to pace and respect to the opposition. I can see where he's coming from there. Uh, we've had to learn how to be a top side, and now we need to learn how to deal with being considered a top side. This comes with a new challenge that the team and supporters have not had to deal with before. Opposition will come at us with increased intensity and a sense of challenge, conquest. It's another step up level that we are yet to take. And yeah, I think I think it's a really valid point. When we're not used to being, I guess, the hunted. We've certainly been hunted by the media over the few years, but in terms of on the field and, and being a team that is the benchmark of the competition, it is is not a position that's familiar to us. And coming up against different sides, a range of different sides, regardless of where they're sitting on the ladder, see us as as a scalp and as a team that they want us, like, like what we do against top eight sides and what we found, and we've played really well against quality opposition, teams want to step up and, and play to their best ability against us. And yeah, unfortunately, we're just uh, still working how to do that in terms of when we match it with the best. Yeah, absolutely. We've been firing on all cylinders there. But when it comes to playing teams that maybe aren't quite at the same standard as us, how are we combating that and how are we being able to manage our our, our game and still make sure that we're we're doing all the right things and, and, and getting the wins that, that we should be winning? 100%. Next one comes in from Jared. Um, so collectively, the team in the last five games picks and chooses when to defend in the forward half. When the forward pressure drops, the defensive setup fails. And even worse, sides have figured out not to bomb long and bring the ball to ground, taking away our greatest strength. 
Yep. You're on you're on the ballpark there. I think well, minus probably the Port Adelaide game in the last five weeks. Yeah, definitely. I think our structures were held up very well based on our forward pressure. I think Essendon, the forward pressure was okay. But yeah, definitely the games where we've uh either lost or drawn now. Um, yeah, definitely comes from the forward pressure to make it easier to defend. All right. Well, we've covered this week, but now it's time that we look ahead in our next segment, one week at a time. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it, you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot, and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. All right, Simo, you, you're king of the opposition watch and match previews. However, as we mentioned at the at the top of the podcast, we actually don't know who we're playing yet this week. It's been rumoured that they're going to swap the fixtures around, that we might be facing Western Bulldogs in the Gold Coast given the current pandemic situation in Victoria. So it makes it a little bit hard to sort of see what we need to do to stop the team that we're playing against uh, when we're not quite sure. But what would you like to see the Ds change up? You know, you could nail it down to one thing that you'd just like to see a key improvement in. What would it be? I think just, I suppose, just getting back to our system and forward pressure is probably the biggest thing. Just playing our brand and making teams play our brand of footy. Like you saw that with Port Adelaide, saw it with Brisbane, saw it with the Dogs. Teams, if teams play our game, we've got them. Um, So, yeah, we'll keep the doggies on a lead if, you know, if we can have our forward pressure and have them bombing to, you know, Stevie May and and Lever. Um, Because, I mean, I don't know why. It's a weird one because... Against these top eight sides, we love changing lanes and making it hard for teams to defend, but then go into our shell with the uh, with the other teams. So I don't know. It's I actually really like playing at Metricon. I think we play the ground really well. So if we do end up at Metricon, um, then I'd be pretty happy to play there. Yeah, and yeah, completely agree with you about forward pressure. I think I'd love to see us straighten up forward-wise and just sort of see about making sure that they get back to being able to have some free-flowing footy and getting our forwards running into space and what the best version of that looks like, especially heading into September now. And we've now given, you know, Brown a couple of games in. And as, as we sort of mentioned before, we'd love to see him get a couple more games in there as well too. Really kind of fine-tune what is that forward line going to look like and how is it going to function with those tools in there. And we've seen a couple of different scenarios. And as I pointed out earlier, you know, first quarter we lead into space and we've We've, we've certainly got players that can can lead really well. I think you mentioned to me before, I think Benny Brown, when, when he took that mark, his, his run-up was longer than the kick in that sense, but he when he when he finds some space, but he's going to attract that target as well too, and that allows Fritch um, and T-Mac to sort of be able to float behind as well. But we really need to shore up. Are we going to continue to kick to big contests and try and pray that the ball is going to get out over the back? But... Or are we going to be at our most damaging, really, and allow our forwards to run into space and, and give them some room to operate? Because, unfortunately, that's not what we did on Saturday night. And it kind of the scoreboard showed that and our inability to kick goals for two and a half quarters uh, was certainly detrimental to our the outcome in the end. Our best foot is played when we do change lanes and take risk and also move the footy with speed. And I think the biggest engines to start that is your Langdons and your Jaden Hunt. I thought Jaden Hunt was actually really good. Uh, mind you, it's probably something, someone we could have spoken about um, to the game. Um, but I honestly reckon Fritch is our most dangerous forward because, for one, he gets he pretty much attracts a third or best for, third or fourth best forward, uh, best defender, sorry. Um, and that obviously frees him up quite well and it's it's made him kick over 30 goals this year and he's their leading goal kicker for a reason because if he has the ability to run and jump at a ball the player you know probably 80 percent of the time the player who's playing on him won't get anywhere near him so i don't yeah i don't know it's he's one that yeah if we do lower our eyes and you know change those lanes going forward then you know we'll go a long way to to knocking off whoever we play this weekend and in games um leading forward into the end of the season and into finals. Yeah, and I've got a point here, like when I was writing down my notes watching the game, like I said, finally some movement from the half-pack line because we, you're right, I've written, didn't play with any dare or any speed, especially in that last quarter. And there was there was one moment where we got it to Fritch and he ended up goaling from that point where, yeah, it came from Rivers and he kicked it out to T-Mac uh, who then handballed to Spargo running in and, and Spargo found Fritch. And yeah, it was one of the few passages of play where... Yeah, we looked 
to play with some dare. We look to change lanes and we look to try and use the speed of the ball because that's a huge asset of ours and we didn't get to use it for two and a half quarters of the game either. So those are some things we'd like to see us uh, yeah, change regardless of opposition. We need to make sure that we get back to our best footy because it is. It's the business end of the season. We need to be making sure that we sure up all these things heading into September. We, I think Melbourne's pretty good at being able to clear out the noise externally from media. Uh, however, you know that those same those same conversations definitely happen within the club. They happen at match review. Those things hopefully get addressed. Um, you know that they're not going unseen and unheard of within the club. So that's that's the reassuring thing because we've seen certain things being addressed, uh, you know, post a week. And we, I think the Port Adelaide one's a good example of that. It's just disappointing that it, it's only lasted a week and then we've sort of gone back to where we were. So fingers crossed, whoever we're playing, whether it's Gold Coast or Dogs, wherever it is, Gold Coast or Darwin, we get back to our best footy. And I think shoring up one of those two indicators that we've pointed out certainly uh, gets us heading back in the right direction. Simo, well, that pretty much wraps it up for another week, mate. It's, uh, yeah, finished the round 18. Let's try and look past that and look to the next round, which the opposition is yet to be determined. However, let's hope that we can try and address one of those things and get back to playing our best footy. 100%. And I think as Melbourne supporters, we definitely need to remain positive. Like, we're on top of the ladder for a reason. We haven't just got there just because of pure luck. It's been, you know, adapting to our system and playing to our defensive structure and, that forward pressure, you know, has been there to get us to where we're at, where we're at. But yeah, hold hold off on really, you know, just doubting what we're bringing. I think you know it's really amazing the position we're in, and I know it's it's a position where, you know, it's a bit it's foreign territory for us as supporters. And yeah, I think just enjoy the ride and roll with the punches. Like it's a bloody good footy club, so yeah, don't get down on them. Love it, Simo. I'm not going to add anything to there. You've summed it up perfectly. So. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google. Feel free to leave us a review uh, or give us some feedback on Twitter at A-T-T-N-2-Detail, D-E-E-T-A-I-L. Uh, hit us up on Facebook, or you can send us an email at attentiontodetailpod at gmail.com. Big thank you to Mike and Jody from Hop and Brewing for joining us earlier today, uh, giving a chance to sort of give us a bit of an idea about their amazing business. And we really appreciate all their support as well too, especially, you know, during a pretty shitty time for all businesses. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're really grateful to have their support on board and we hope that our listeners, yeah, get the chance to head down there as well too and support them as well. So thanks to Mike and Jody for that. Thanks to everyone else for listening. Simo? Thank you again, mate, and uh, all the best with remote learning for this week. I know you and me are in the same boat there, and, and yeah, let's hope that we get out the other end of this uh, lockdown very, very soon. All right. Thanks, everyone. Go Dees. Go Dees.